David Willem, whistleblower at Tongart, chartered accountant, and, uh, well, someone who's been uh, waving flags recently with a big deal that Tongard is trying to do with a Zimbabwean company to rescue the business. There was an extraordinary general meeting today. David, you waved your flags ahead of this meeting. Uh, maybe just to unpack very briefly for those who haven't been close to the story, uh, in a nutshell, why was it that you didn't want the meeting to go ahead? So I certainly recognize in, in our previous interviews spoke about the the deep trouble that the company is in. You know, there's no um, denying that. But we, we feel that there have been many opportunities to uh, address some of these issues, including recovering damages from those that failed in their duty, their duty of care or their professional responsibility, uh, possibly getting a better deal from the banks so that they could um, have some time to fix the company, But and, and a number of other options that were offered and explored, but they've kind of taken this very, very dramatic step of of a big capital raise. They're raising five or six times the existing market cap of the company and bringing in this really unknown outsider, uh, Zimbabwean company, which we know very little about. We know something about the principles behind the company who are effectively going to get to take control of this company at what will be a very depressed price issue price. They haven't said yet exactly the price, but I, I expect it will be around 270, 275, That's That's my guess. We'll see in time, but that would mean that existing shareholders get diluted by another 90%. Bear in mind, they've already lost 95% of what they had. You know, we're now down to practically fractions. And that's just a tragedy, I think, for long-suffering shareholders who stayed with the company through the last few years of, of turmoil. Tonga did respond to your concerns on business this morning, saying that the company's in a lot of trouble. They've done their due diligence on the Zimbabwean operation that's going to acquire control. They really need the money. It's going to take too long to sue Deloitte or to get anything back from Deloitte. Has that changed your view in any way? Uh, no, I don't think so, because I think those comments and those discussions we had with them, they've said before. I, I accept fully that the company must, you know, uh, it must take action that will ensure its survival. But I think it's also important that all stakeholders are, are treated in a balanced and fair way in that process. I, I asked a question several times, and I asked it again in the meeting today. Who exactly is Magister? Who are they? What investments do they hold? And I'd only managed to establish that they had a, a small investment in a company called AgriTerra. But I might be wrong. And so I asked them, have you done a due diligence on the balance sheet of this company? Do you know what investments they are in and where the source of their funding comes from? And I just don't get an answer to that. And it seems not an unreasonable question. If there was a, a large company about to take over uh, SA corporate, listed corporate, I don't think it would be unreasonable to expect that the, the, the company taking over that company would, would show its credentials in more than a very disguised and oblique way. So why is it being so disguised, the Magister structure and, and ownership? Uh, Alec, I don't know. I guess we can surmise that the Rudlands come with a, a level of notoriety. Um, I've said before that, you know, those issues need to be fleshed out by people who have access to the facts. And 
I'm not going to speculate about those things, but we, I think when you ask questions and you don't get answers, then it raises the, the suspicions or just raises the concerns. Um, it's quite easy to explain if someone says, you know, to Remgro, if they're approaching you, well, what other investments do you have? Uh, never mind that they might actually be conflicts of interest, possibly, that it's quite reasonable to expect them to disclose that. I don't think that would be unreasonable, or even if it was a private company. So I, I find it very strange that there's all this subterfuge and the secrecy and using things like this is a, a private company and its access to funding is proprietary. I'm not, never, I think that's a strange word to use, proprietary as opposed to confidential. But um, I just find it a bit strange, I'll be honest. So what happened today at the Extraordinary General Meeting? Well, um, I think as all meetings go, it was a kind of cordial affair and the chairman controls the process. So he, it was an electronic meeting. So that always makes it a bit more difficult. But I, I won't in any way suggest that Tongart did anything untoward. There was a, they followed the due process. They introduced all the resolutions. They gave quite a long introduction about why they're doing this. And then there was a discussion. And I think the discussion from shareholders, various shareholders, centered around three or four key areas. The one was the question around Deloitte. Why did they keep Deloitte on for so long? Remember, this is three years ago that this emerged, but it says it's at least 18 months since, nearly two years since the restated accounts were kind of issued. So, you know, they kept Deloitte on and they're saying now they couldn't sue Deloitte because there would be a conflict of interest. And I kind of go, well, it doesn't really make sense if they've done wrong, then you should have dispensed with them. And the answer was no, well, there was no one who would do the audit. And, and I find that very strange because Steinhoff managed to replace their auditors and they were in a much more complex situation. So I don't buy that. Uh, then it was around Magister. Um, the the issues around the, the prospects of this company, you know, we pay, we raise 2 billion or 3 billion of capital. We dilute shareholders by 90%. But is there sufficient cash flow in the business after you pay all this money to the creditors to actually run the business and to fix the problems? Because we know there'd be some really serious operational problems because of lack of maintenance and, and expenditure in the mills. So, you know, are we just going to end up back in another year's time saying, well, we need more money and more dilution? And, you know, I just, those are the main, main issues, I think. Gavin Hudson was invited to participate uh, on this program in a discussion with you and indeed as a separate interview, if he didn't want to do that, he's declined both offers saying he's too busy. Um, It does seem a little strange given the parlous state of the business. Just to go back a little though, it used to be the biggest organization or the biggest enterprise in KwaZulu-Natal worth uh, tens of billions of rands at one point. Is it likely to survive this latest shake-up? Alec, I, I sincerely hope so. I really do. And, and I have to say that, or just emphasize that, you know, this, whilst we might have been seen by the board or some of the execs as troublemakers or uh, interfering, um, it really is because um, of our concern for the company and all the stakeholders. Many, 20,000 farmers who supply Tongass Mills and um, about 400,000 people that are dependent in one way or another on working for the farmers, working for the company, the mills, etc. So it's a, it's a very important employer 
in a region, the KZN North Coast, it doesn't have a lot of alternatives. Um, you know, from, call it, um, Belito to Mpangeni, there's not a lot of other economic activity. And so it's really critical this company survives, never mind the other operations they have in Zimbabwe and, and Mozambique. But I fear that the operational results that came out recently, um, as much as they're saying now they're going to fix it all, um, I'm always concerned, or I'm concerned about um, companies that say we're going to fix things. And so, well, why did they get here? You know, we understand the problems that happened three years ago, but the problems that happened in the last nine months were about just simple operational issues. So is this company going to survive? I don't know. I desperately hope that it will. I really do. If I'm reading you correctly, you have a double concern. The one is the the managers who promised to pull Tonga right are not achieving that and may not achieve that as well. They might be the wrong people in the job. And secondly, the concern of the new party that will be coming in to bail out the company, but by taking a massive slug of equity as a result of that. You're not so sure whether they're the right party. Am I reading you correctly? Alec, I think that's correct. Um, It would be wrong for me to say that the Magister or the Rudlands are the wrong party. It's just that we really haven't had a chance. Uh, I mean, to date, we had a a statement that was put out yesterday to an article that was published on um, Daily Maverick by a team from Amabongani. And that was the first time that uh, Hamish Rudlin put out a statement. And again, it's kind of strange um, for a transaction of this magnitude to have no profile, to have no engagement or no uh, presence. Um, I think there's some anxiety about what their intentions are. And, and I think they could have done a lot more to have allayed those anxieties or fears and uh, reassured people rather than just using very vanilla PR statements. So Magister or the people behind it are are not uh, of the highest caliber, it appears, or certainly in the public perception. But were there other potential bidders for this company? Is it not so far gone that it's Hobson's choice? Uh, it could, that could be the case. I, I, I don't, I do believe that there were other options, but you know, I guess one always has to be very careful as well that on the grandstand you see things with perfect vision. Um, as we know, for anyone who follows rugby, the, the fans are always uh, more informed, especially afterwards. So I guess, you know, one, I have to be careful. Maybe, you know, this is so broken and it's in such poor state, which kind of then question, I come back and circle back, well, why was Magister so keen? Uh, what do they see in it? And we haven't had a chance to engage with them or ask them. So it's just very unusual. I can't remember a time in, in South Africa where a, comp- a listed company, especially one of this relative magnitude and importance of socioeconomic importance, has been taken over by a company where there's just no knowledge, no real knowledge or no engagement or no um, – I think it's the norm that, you know, when you see these takeovers, the choir roar will spend a bit of time trying to woo shareholders and stakeholders and other people. I think that's quite reasonable to have a, a courtship before you, uh, you, get, you get married, so to speak. And David, uh, just to close off with, what is possible that the company could get back from Deloitte, from the auditors, 
who clearly were asleep at the wheel at best and complicit at worst, and the former executives who are being accused of fraud. How much money might Magister, which will be the new controlling shareholder if all of this goes through, uh, end up getting back from those two parties? Um, well, we tried this afternoon, or the, sorry, this morning at the meeting to get some indication from um, the directors and one of the non-executives. And, you know, it was interesting that they sort of shifted their tone to say, well, we are going after Deloitte now that we've wrapped up the audits and we're now going to, we're going to, uh, we've got a team, legal team ready to to pounce kind of thing. Um, so there was a strong indication that they are going after them, but then they were kind of a bit coy about how much. And I guess it is difficult, but you've got to start somewhere. Um, so we know that Deloitte got paid somewhere in the region of 300 million rand for the audit fees over an eight-year period that this fraud was happening. And not, that doesn't mean that you, your damages are limited to what you earned because your damages are also a function of the harm you caused. So I agree with, with Linda De Beer on the board who said, you know, Deloitte can't be accountable for the whole of the loss, the whole of the 12 billion rand of capital destruction. But I think they're certainly accountable for a portion of it. And so I, uh, if we look at Steinhoff, uh, Deloitte's offered very quickly a 1.3 million um, settlement, which Steinhoff took, uh, 1.3 billion, sorry, and I would consider that in this case, uh, a settlement of that magnitude would not be unreasonable, given the, the the fraud itself was very simple fraud. I still can't even begin to understand how it went on for so long without being raised. And the former directors, do they have any significant or material amount of money that can be clawed back by the company? Well, we know that from the share register that um, uh, the two senior people, uh, Peter Stardy and Murray Monroe, they still hold all the shares that they held at the time that they were ousted. And in Peter's case, about 400 and something thousand shares and, and uh, Murray about half that. So, And they had been converting most of their long-term incentives into shares. So those shares were worth about 75 million at the peak and they've fallen now to 2 million or so. And I doubt they'll have a following their rights. So you can see probably those shares worth a lot less. So I, they say they've got access to their pensions. Um, I don't know how that works, to be honest, securing a pension, but I doubt they have 10% of the claim of 450 million that they're asking for because you can go back 10 years and see what they earned and, and how they converted most of that to shares. So I would be very surprised. And that's why one of the points we raised was you seem very keen to throw this $450 million out for the claim against the directors when a, a reasonable assessment would show that, well, they don't really have that kind of money. Whereas Deloitte is a big company, international company with big insurance policies. So why not be as bold? and your claims against the votes.